greatness is a transitory experience. It is never consistent. It depends upon the myth-making imagination of humankind. The person who experiences greatness must have a feeling for the myth he is in. He must reflect what is projected upon him, and he must have a strong sense of the sardonic. This is what uncouples him from belief in his own pretensions. The sardonic is all that permits him to move within himself. Without this quality, even occasional greatness will destroy a man. From Collected Sayings of Muhadib by the Princess Irala. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we are going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Here we are, chapter 16, last episode, chapter 15. Um, Evan had said he had not watched the new Dune 2020 trailer yet. Nope. We just watched it. If you want to see his full reaction, it'll be posted on YouTube. You can go to YouTube at Reading Dune. That's it there. Wrong reaction. <laughs> um, Evan, yeah, first thoughts, first impressions. Dune trailer. Oh, man. I, I'm having a fanboy moment here, Caleb. Guys, I'm like low-key losing it. Because, okay, so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to watch the trailer and i avoided any like anytime i saw i would like stumble upon a picture of who was clearly paul because he's exactly how i imagined paul to look so i'd be like oh no that's paul and i would scroll and so i've been avoiding it like the plague because i want to i wanted to allow my imagination to run free and like so that I could imagine the stuff that's happening in the book on my own without the assistance of Hollywood. And dang it. Everything that I just saw in that trailer was either exactly how I imagined it or way better than I imagined it. At least like the visual aspects of everything. Gosh. Yeah, so we'd like to shout out the uh, commenter who commented on YouTube saying, hey, it's okay, Evan should watch it. You, you're at this chapter yet. Right, right. I think will be major spoilers at this right. point. Thank you, whoever that is, because my life is now richer having seen that trailer. That was bananas, dude. That that whole trailer was crazy. Yes, and I love that they used a moment from the first chapter. Like, right. just to narrate what's going to happen. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, Paul, like, screams with his hand in the box. I don't remember him screaming in the book, but maybe I did. I forgot or something. Um, I, that was the only thing that I was like, wait, what? But other than that, geez. Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be a good one. Right. And just, like, uh, I was I was reading today, and you were you reading Dune today? I was I was reading Dune today, like minutes ago. The the whole dinner scene that we're about to talk about, and I just kept for some reason. Th- also, I didn't. I've never looked into the cast. I have no. I, I had no idea up until literally Second. three minutes ago who was going to be in this movie, 
And I was just thinking the whole time I was reading today, like, man, Jason, Jason Momoa would kill it in this movie. But they won't, they won't cast him. That would be ridiculous. There he freaking is in the trailer. As, as Duncan Idaho. Yep. <laughs> and I feel like they gave, they're going to give Duncan a little bit more screen time, or at least to show his his bond with with Paul a right. little bit more. Right. They, they are like best friends. Right. And I mean, uh, it's like you can't you can't cast a big name actor like that without giving them a good chunk of screen time. I mean, the cast is stacked. And that's true. That is true. And um, Denny Villeneuve, the director, um, he uh, he read Dune first when he was like a 15 year old boy and then read the whole series. So he he's been thinking about this for a very long time. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Also, I, I was I was telling Gala before we started recording, I feel just like low key attacked. I feel like did somebody crawl into my brain and decide to make a movie with just everything that I love? Like as soon as I heard um, that Pink Floyd's song start playing. <laughs> I like I was like no no way there's no way this could possibly get any better right now like that album Dark Side of the Moon is like my favorite album of all time and being a musician that's like a very big statement like that's been my favorite album for years and years and years and then Caleb told me about the connection with Pink Floyd and Dune that I was unaware of which is usually what Caleb does with things relating to Dune <laughs> it's only because I have like a year into the fandom more than you. That's about it. And that, right. And that's why I was like so um, needy almost saying, Evan, you need to do this with me. You need to read Dune. You're the only person that I was like knew that could be so nerd out with me over it. Right. And, and so we made it. We made it here. Yes. To the Reading Dune podcast. Here we are. Wait, do you want to talk talk about that, the the Pink Floyd thing with the old movie? I thought that was super interesting. Someone else might think it's really interesting as well. True. Okay. So um, before Star Wars, before science fiction was really a thing, um, uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky was a director. He was a very indie fringe director, and he wanted to make Dune. He'd never read the book, but he decided he heard it was the best story of all time, so he wanted to make it. And so he he, he hired um, a bunch of people. They had an art team all together, and they like mapped out shot for shot, like a comic book, the entire story of Dune. They had Salvador Dali to play the Emperor, and they had Orson Welles to play the Baron Harkonnen, and they agreed to get. And he wanted he wanted the viewer of the audience to feel like they were on acid while watching it. Ooh. And, and we'll, we'll get into that later. Evan. you don't <laughs> quite know what's going to happen. Oh, I'm more excited now. <laughs> it'll be spicy. Um, and so he got Pink Floyd. He wanted Pink Floyd to do all of the music um, for it. And so when the, in the trailer, when the Pink Floyd song does come up, it's like a tribute to him in a weird way, because because Dune never got made, um, it was too it was too early for a movie like that. Yeah, just in Hollywood, they weren't ready. Star Wars was an indie film, 
that came out, you know, afterwards, like, but the effects that Dune had on Hollywood afterwards has been immeasurable. It's right. been really cool. This just a lot of science fiction dramas have been birthed out of this, um, out of Jodorowsky's Dune. There's a um, documentary on that if you want to watch it. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. In, in and of itself, Dune is its own myth-making thing. Yeah, I tied, I tied it back into the, the, the quote from the original. You're and, a master of transitions right now. I'm trying. <laughs> and the only way to really talk about Dune is in a sardonic tense. you got to be a little sarcastic with it. You have to know that it's just a thing saying a thing. Um, and Frank Herbert was very much about that. He liked to poke holes at everything saying, you think this is one way, but it's, they're just playing you. Yeah. I think a lot of that had to come with his early background going to Catholic school and like the Jesuit priests who wanted to say one thing and do another, Mm. as well as going to Vietnam, the government's here to protect you. No, the government's here to to put napalm on you and nobody actually has your real no security or organization actually has your actual benefit in mind. They're all just manipulating you. Yeah. You can kind of see this in this uh, quote there, especially when you've, when someone has projected power upon you and then you become an image more than yourself, like a rock star would, you have to like, like a Justin Bieber, you have to come back and say, uh, I'm just a regular human being. I'm a person. And you have to have that. So that's what Paul um, needs to have in order for his journey to be complete. Because if he doesn't, he will, uh, or if he can't control that myth-making, it will get out of hand. Mm. All right. So let's start with the dinner scene. We're at night two in Arrakis. Um, what's happened right before is, uh, the Duke Lido and Paul went on a field trip with Dr. Kynes, where maybe Dr. Kynes was trying to kill them, but he definitely has orders to kill them. And, um, they saw a sand harvester or a spice harvester be completely destroyed by a worm. And the Duke Lido was more, he cared more about the lives of the men than he did about the spice. And that's what kind of got Dr. Kynes, kind of switched Dr. Kynes' mind. A chance for Duke Leto of Atreides to show his quality. Yes. Yes. And, you know, Kynes admires that. So, um, like, deeply. He has this whole shift in, in attitude and almost seemingly allegiance in, like, one experience with him, you know? Because that's just how good the Duke is. Yeah. Um, so uh, we meet our Duke he's in I love this I'm just gonna add the filmmaker in me just loves this picture that in the dining hall of the Eric Keen great house the suspenser lamps had been lighted against the early dark so you imagine these glow globes just kind of hanging there as you have a pan they cast their yellow glows upward on the black bull's head with its bloody horns right so you get the bull that Killed Duke Guido's father. Can see that onto a darkly glistening oil painting of the old Duke. So, like the shadow is like piercing the Duke. Dude, again, 
just a great image of yeah. like we're looking at when you've jumped in too far over your head and you know it, you're about to die. Yeah. And we kind of see um, the Duke Guido Atreides kind of go a little, little haywire in this chapter. He kind of loses it a little bit and you can, you, you get that feeling from Jessica that like, what's happening? Like, is this the end? Is it close to the end? Right. But he loses it in like possibly the coolest way of losing it ever. You know, he's just like, screw you people you're all terrible that's like under the surface obviously but that's totally what he's doing in that whole he totally he totally doesn't care all right so he you have duke guido and he's checking out the table and everything there and we have a nice wooden table so in the future woodworking will still be a thing so if you're looking for possible careers that one will not go away (laughs) frank herbert it's a safe trade to learn and uh, here, like, there are still wood on Arrakis. So this thing had to get shipped in. And you've got the uh, chandelier above, but there's the lights don't work. It's just decoration to hold the poison snooper. Right, which is just, like, it's also just another, like, they're all over the place in this house. There's just displays of obnoxious wealth. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, we have this massive chandelier, but it doesn't actually hold the lights that we have, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's just a, it's just a display piece, just an art piece. We have right. it. Um, so, and then it's funny because behind, you have, all, you have all the plates, um, and besides each plate on the table is a, like, flagon of water. It's enough water along the table, the Duke estimates, to keep a poor Arakeen family for more than a year. So, again, displays of wealth. Right. And I think this is what really bothers him. Right. Because, like I said before, it's really obnoxious. It's, like, completely unnecessary, you know? But And the Duke is just, like, over it. He's like, what the heck? Seriously? (laughs) He's over it on so many different levels. Like, he's... He's done with the Frafaluches, like the whole cast system. He's over it all. It doesn't matter. But yet he's in this, he's got to be in this place right. where it matters more than anything else. And so then he go to the doorway, right? And there's a basin with ornate yellow and green tiles. And on the basin has a rack of towels. And so it was the custom that the housekeeper had to explain to him that the guests would dip their hands ceremoniously into the basin, not washing them, just dipping them, slop several cups of water onto the floor, dry their hands, and then put the towel on a growing puddle and just there. Again, excessive waste. I get that I'm, like, real hyped up because of that trailer, but, like, that made me so angry, like, reading it. I was like, are you kidding me on arrakis that is just like the most disgusting thing that you could do you know i mean and when you think about it in the open desert when you have your still suit on perfectly done you're you only lose a thimble of water right here you have people just dipping their little fingers in there and slopping it on the floor Ugh. that's where the duke says he thinks right how typical of a harkonnen thief Right. Every degradation of the spirit that can be conceived. He took a deep breath, feeling rage tighten in his stomach. The custom stops here. So he goes to the woman, 
who's right there and she like she has the blue within blue eyes yeah so she's fremen or at least fremen city born she's been there her whole life and he says like this has got to stop get the basin move remove the towels and she looks at him kind of confused and he goes i know the custom take the basins to the front door and every beggar who comes can get a full cup of water understood the, per, the the woman looks up at him in disgust, like straight anger. Like, what? Wait, what? Right, because it, it gets worse. the The nastiness gets worse. Yeah, the capitalism gets way worse, right? Right. Now. Because um, Leto realizes that she was going to use that and then sell it to the the water sellers, right? The sook sook sook. The yeah. people out there they're selling water, and so like this was her whole gig. And he just exonated it. Like, no, we're not doing this anymore. Right. So his face clouded. He growled, I'm posting a guard to, to see that my orders are carried out to the letter. He whirled, strode back down the passage to the great hall. All right. So now we're going to go meet the peoples. And this is where he like thinks like he grew up on a whole watery planet the wind and the waves was constant. Now it's just wind and sand and dust and, you know, grimy things under your fingernails all the time. He thinks I'm getting old, right? There's that death thought again. So then in the great hall, we have the lady Jessica in the center of a mixed group standing in front of the fireplace. So let's go over who's in this group. Okay. All right. So we have a steel suit manufacturer from Carthag, right? Yeah. Car- Carthag was the Harkonnen city. Um, and the, we know that the steel shoots that are made in the city suck. Right. Especially this guy's, apparently. Especially this guy's. It says something like no, like no one that works in the desert that's like worth anything would be caught dead wearing this guy's suit. Right. This is, yeah, this is awful. Um, you have a electronics equipment importer, a water shipper whose summer mansion was near the polar cap factory, right? So somebody who ships in water, um, a representative of the guild bank, a dealer in replacement parts for spice mining equipment. He would be nice to have on their side. Um, and then a thin hard faced woman whose escort services for off-worlding visitors is a cover for a smuggling, spying, and blackmail operation. And we're talking about an escort service, like a escort like service, a, like an escort service. Yeah, I don't think we're hiding anything here. Um, she also has the fact that her escort service was a front for other stuff is like notable, you know. <laughs> like <laughs> she also has zero lines during this; doesn't talk at all. Right. You know, I think she's just there for the free meal. Yeah, she's trying to be extra mysterious also, you know. <laughs> yeah, who needs some stuff? Everybody knows what they can get from her. Um, right. And then and then the Duke notices, even without her position as hostess, Jessica would have dominated the group. Yeah. She wore no jewelry, chosen warm colors, a long dress, almost a shade of open blaze, and an earth earth brown band around her bronze hair he realized she had done this to taunt him as she as she does everything as she should she knows what she's doing 
Like, this is her man, and you you better pay attention to me. Ooh, Lady Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> also, can we talk about the casting for Lady Jessica? Because I almost, like, threw something. That was through the roof. It's Rebecca Ferguson. She's going to oh, be. Oh, my gosh. Right. Yeah. And uh, her and Oscar Isaac, who plays Duke Guido, when you put them together, it kind of does look like Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. So, perfect. And he's he's doing, he's going to be the perfect Paul. It's going to be amazing. Oh, dude. Anyway, let's not keep talking about that trailer. We could do a whole episode on that trailer. <laughs> we could. All right. So, but with the Lady Jessica, we have Duncan Idaho. Yeah. Because Duncan Idaho is now ordered by Thufer to keep constant surveillance on the Lady Jessica because Thufer thinks the Lady Jessica is the spy. Thufer? Yeah. Silly old man. And the Duke knows it's not Thufer, but has to maintain, or the Duke knows it's not Jessica. I can't even keep it straight. <laughs> but, but Jessica doesn't know that sh- that he's doing all this, which just makes it weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you got Paul, who's surrounded by um, young women. As he should be. He also doesn't want to be there. <laughs> right. He's like, he's got all these girls like, fawning over him and he's just like Ugh, what are we what are we doing here why are we doing this <laughs> right he's, and then he he basically says like oh my dad wanted me to be here he said i'm gonna be a man one day and i need to learn how to do this <laughs> okay um <laughs> it's funny he said paul even says i'm in a sour mood i wonder what gurney would say to that like what would gurney say Probably sing a song or something. Yeah, he'd probably have some really fun quote. <laughs> that was his saddest when he doesn't want to be someplace. <laughs> From the Orange Catholic Bible. <laughs> All right. So um, Lido approaches Lady Jessica's group. And of course, the, over thing, the first thing he overhears is the water shipper asking, is Dune, oh, is it true that the Duke will put in weather control? From behind the man, the Duke said, we haven't gone that far in our thinking. Weather control. We know the guild will not do weather control. There's no price on in the Imperium that could pay for that. Right. Wait, who was the, who was the guy that just said this? The water shipper. So okay. he's, trying, he's trying to measure how much money the Duke actually has coming into this. How much right. can you get out of him? Right. Um. And so in the conversation, Duke says basically what happened with uh, the basins. And he says, as far as I'm concerned, the old custom of dipping your hands, then slopping water on the ground and then barely drying them uh, yeah. is over. We're going to done. We're done with that. We're done with that. Um, and as he says that, Kynes comes up to the group. Everyone kind of. Notes at set kinds, and but this time he's wearing um, the dark, the old style dark brown uniform of the Imperial Civil Servant. Right, he's kind of switched roles. Right. Uh, but the water shipper isn't. He's not going to let go of the conversation about water because that's his thing, his area of expertise. Right. <laughs> um. And so the water shipper asks in an angry voice, does the Duke imply criticism of our custom? We know this custom has been changed. He nodded to Kynes, right? Like, hey, I'm doing the right thing, right? 
Mark the mark the frown on Jessica's face. And then, with the Duke's permission, the water shipper said, I'd like to inquire further about the customs. But the Lido, of course, hears you see the oily tone in, in the man's voice. The oily tone. Like uh, oh, back up. <laughs> um but the then the Lido uh, remind or gets reminded of how it's memorandum, his memo that said the water shipper would be a man to watch. Um, the Harkonnens used him, but never fully controlled him. Mm. So the water shipper then says, water customs are so interesting. There's a smile on his face. I'm curious what you intend about the conservatory attached to this house. Do you intend to continue to flaunt it in people's faces, my lord? Right. Basically like, Oh, well, you're going to stop doing the water thing, but you're going to keep your fancy garden. So, like, screw this guy. This guy sucks. <laughs> He's never invited to a party ever yeah. again. Dude, right off the bat, this guy just sucks. Anyway, let's keep going. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, it's, I mean, right. We're he's, she's testing the waters, and this is where Jessica comes in and kills great, it. Great Jessica moment. Yes. Um, my lord, the Duke and I have pl- other plans for the conservatory. She smiled at Lido. We intend to keep it, certainly, but only to hold it as in trust for the people of Arrakis. It's our dream that someday the climate of Arrakis may be changed sufficiently to grow such plants anywhere in the open. Bam! Lido, bless her. <laughs> Gosh, she totally killed it in that moment. And yeah, no, it was perfect. It was like the perfect setup. And what's even better is what the reaction from the crowd. Right, because also like Lido was was maybe too angry at like seeing behind the guy's words. Like he was a little too pissed to like respond correctly. And she just comes out with this very diplomatic, like noble response. It's just freaking, it's awesome. Lido's attention was caught by the expression on Kine's face. The man was staring at Jessica. Cause let's be real. Who wouldn't? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he appeared transfigured like a man in love or caught in a religious trance. Kind's thought, Kind's thoughts were overwhelmed at last by the words of prophecy. So here it is, the prophecy. And they shall share your most precious dream. No. He spoke directly to Jessica. Do you bring the shortening of the way? Bum, bum, bum. So um, just with that, like, we don't know as readers, like, we don't get the full picture uh, what is prophecy happening right in front of them? Like, what is the missionary protectiva like instilled in them? How far, how deep does it go? Right. Um, and it's funny because this bothers Jessica because she crosses over to Lido and flips her hand under his arm in a moment to calm herself. And she thinks that kind of said the shortening in the way. In the old tongue, the phrase, the phrase translates to the Kriswak Hatterak. So the planet, the planetologist's odd question seemed to have gone unnoticed by the others, but now Kine was bending over to one of the other women and listening to a low voice, right? Kriswak Hatterak, Jessica thought. 
Did our missionary protectiva plant that legend here too? She thought the thought fanned her secret hope for Paul. He could be the Kisbark Hatterack. He could be it. And I love how like this moment is is the same thing what happened with Mapes to Jessica. She says something and it just happens to be the thing that just needs to open up the door. Right. Not that she even knows what she's saying. Right. So much so that like secret code words pop up that you're like, wait, did I just trigger something? Did I just like open a door I didn't know was there? Right. Yeah. She's like, yeah, uh, I have nothing to add to that. It's just really cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> She's continuing like her training is so ingrained in her that it just like accidentally like starts stuff in the story. It's crazy. And she is like as much as Paul wants to be our protagonist, like our main figure, like Jessica does change the story because of the door she's unlocking as she's just being herself. Um, Mm -hmm. She changes everything. I mean, heck she was supposed to have a girl, but we're here and Paul's not a girl. (laughs) Um, from here, we're still in the great hall. This is when a footman comes up. Do, 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 do. And he says, dinner is served, my lord. So now we direct, we go to the dinner, back to the hall. And that's where uh, Jessica says, like, usually the um, host and hostess follow their guests to the table. Are we going to change that too? Because we're changing customs all around here. You know, what are we doing? What are we doing here, man? And she's, she seems like she's being a little salty when she says that. As well, you know? Yeah, like you didn't tell me. I thought we were a team. Right. Um, he spoke coldly. That seems like a goodly custom. We shall let it stand. And then he thinks he's being all sneaky and whatnot. <laughs> right. But in reality, Jessica thinks like he's... And he acts like a man struggling with himself. Is it because I swiftly moved too swiftly to set up the dinner party? Like she was like, starts thinking about other things. Like, what did I yeah. do wrong? Was it the the guy that I invited? Should I not have invited that guy? Yeah. <laughs> we didn't talk about that guy, by the way. That's because the guy's coming up right now. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, right. sorry. I'm ahead of myself. We'll just go straight to the guy. Because what? What do they do? They come, they come there. They sit down. Um, Paul is, the young woman is still like all over Paul. And Paul's just annoyed with it. <laughs> And then um, he knows that the girl is her dad is the guy who makes still suits, the one through like crappy still suits from Carthag. <laughs> and then in walks a smuggler named Tuick, Ismar Tuick. Tuick. He, he's a power among his kind, and they all know him. And he's dined at many of the houses. Um, but what Jessica's doing is like she's trying to set up if they wanted to leave. Just bounce, get out of this situation. Um, this guy was their way out. He's he's the exit. Right. He has allegiances to nobody except Spice. Um, and he will continue to mind Spice, whoever runs the planet. Right. Um, so then, let's see, do-do-do-do, we're talking... Yeah, but Jessica says, my darling, can't you see this smuggler controls fast ships? Maybe he can get us away. Um, we're just continuing on. 
Oh, here it is. This is where the Duke gets out. So the food is about to come. And um, Lido kind of stands up. And he kind of like, you know, almost in a drunken way. Like Jessica thinks, like, is he drunk? Like, what's happening? Lido lifts up his water glass. And then he goes, as a chevalier of the Imperium, then I give you a toast. And that was the, uh, that's a title the emperor gave him. Yeah. Um, for doing something cool in a battle and saving a bunch of people. Because he's a pretty cool guy. Um, he says, here I am and here I will remain. And everyone's holding up their glasses the whole time, like while he's saying this. So it's just, it's just an awkward moment. Right. But he's, he's, I feel like he's making it awkward on purpose. Um, yes. And it's really cool the way that he goes about it, you know? Yes. Um, because I think what he does at this point is um, he just prolongs it, right? So he gives a toast and then he talks to Gurney. Gurney, give us a tune. So Gurney sings a song, like, or always plays something. Um, but still, the Duke remains standing. This is where the servants came out. And this is where we first get our um, our coffee with Melange, our first note, which, come on, if you're going to have coffee, let it have spice in it. So it's like, I imagine it's like this pumpkin spice lattes of <laughs> like the Imperium, just coveted and smell of cinnamon. But like a little tiny dash of heroin in it you know and just a little bit of mushrooms a little just a little bit of hard drugs just enough just to keep you going <laughs> <laughs> all right so now we have uh do 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 what happens next there evan i don't know what did happen next uh well he's doing this toast thing I mean, he um, he said, here I am and here I shall remain. And the funniest thing is people are like, here, here. Uh, trying to take a sip, but he doesn't sip. Oh, he's not done. Okay, I'll just <laughs> keep holding that. And then he just keeps that, keeps that game going, you know. Um, and then he says, ah, my toast is one of those maxims so dear to our hearts. Business makes progress. Fortune passes everywhere. And right, then he sips his water, you know? Yeah, we can all agree to that. Yeah, sure. Um, Duke, so the food, yeah, food comes and says, the Duke says, in olden times, it was the duty of the host to entertain his guests with his own talents. Mm -hmm. His knuckles turned white. I cannot, I cannot sing, but I'll give you the words of Gurney's song. Consider it another toast. An uncomfortable stirring sounded the table. Jessica lowered her gaze. <laughs> and then you have the guild representative. Everyone is kind of just looking downwards. Like, this is awkward. Right. Okay. Yes. Okay. So again, um, the Duke allowed his voice to trail off on that last line. He's giving another toast. Took a deep drink from his water glass and slammed it back on the table and water slopped over the brim. The others drank in embarrassment, silent. Again, the Duke lifts his water, and this time emptied its remaining half onto the floor, knowing that the others around the table must do the same. <laughs> Jessica first to follow. 
like, all right, you, you made a big deal about slopping water on the floor. Right. You just picture, you just picture Jessica like mm. <laughs> just dropping her like wrist as the, mm. the water just go flows out. And then everybody else is like, oh, okay, my bad. Let's just pour our water on the floor. <laughs> but what does Kynes do? Um <laughs> Kynes is like a like a sneaky latino mom she's like get your packets we gotta take that home <laughs> he pours his water into a little like flask pocket something that he's got going on and that that exchange when that happens is really funny where where was it on the page um kinds though caught her attention most sharply the planetologist hesitated then emptied his flagon into a container beneath his jacket he smiled at Jessica as he caught her watching him, raising the empty glass to her in a silent toast. He, had appeared, com he appeared completely unembarrassed by his action. Right. He's like, we got to do what we got to do. <laughs> <laughs> and then after all that, the Duke says, let the dinner commence. And then he sank into his chair and people can start eating. <laughs> <laughs> and Jessica's like, what is wrong with this man? Like, is it the loss of the factory crawler? Did that, like, happen? But he acts desperate. Mm -hmm. Is he desperate? Like, she's trying to figure out what's what's happening. Right. He kind of is desperate. He definitely is. Definitely is. Um, and, of course, speaking of the worm, that swallowed the harvester. Uh, the Guild Bank representative looked at Kynes. I understand, Dr. Kynes, that another factory crawler has been lost to a worm. And then the Duke, news travels fast. Like, golly, I failed. I did fail today, and you got to bring it up right away. Right. First conversation at dinner is how I messed up. Thank you. And then the banker goes, "It's then it's true. He shifted his attention to Lido. Of course it's true, the Duke snapped. The blasted carryall disappeared. It shouldn't be possible for anything that big to disappear. Then the worm came and there was nothing to recover, Kynes said. It should not be possible, the Duke repeated. And then the banker, it's like, no one saw the carryall leave. You ever do something and you're like, you do all the steps and then you ask somebody else to like help because you can't figure it out. And then go, well, did you do all the steps? And you're like, yes, I, if I did them all, if I didn't do them, I wouldn't be asking you. Right. I'm just, you're just irritated. Yeah. Um, and so... This is where Kynes is like, the spotters customarily keep their eyes on the sand. They're primarily interested in the worm sign. The carryall's complement usually is four men, two pilots, right? He's explaining what's happening. And the banker goes, oh, I see. And you, as judge of the change, do you challenge this? And, right? Like, are you going to say that the Duke is doing a bad job? <laughs> right. And Kynes is like, I will not discuss this currently. Like, nah, we don't need to talk about that. Yeah. Well, he's basically like, Kynes in explaining everything was like, um, I mean, if one of the guys on the crew was part of like a foe of the Atreides, then we probably did some shady stuff and got away from there. And that's where the banker's like, oh, do you challenge this? And so right. he's he's kind of saying like, what are you going to do about it? You know, like he, he showed his hand there because like kind knows that this guy is in cahoots with the Harkonnens and he's like threatening him basically like, and this is where right. Jessica picks up on it. Right. Cause she used her Benet Jezreel witch powers and right. she like sees that, 
oh, he's obviously lying. He's definitely a Harkonnen agent. Um, and Paul actually notices this too. Right, right. Which, okay, that goes back to the Duke's performance just now. It seems like he was being weird on purpose so that people would start showing their tells. And because like there was even that point that we talked about where Jessica, like she was paying attention to Lido and then she looked down. So like Lido was trying to get her to look down and notice everybody's reactions because that's exactly what she did in that moment. She started looking at every single person and what they were doing and what they were saying without saying things, you know? Um, no, and, I, yeah, that's precisely it. Because the Duke is always trying to figure out what hand holds the knife. Right. And in order to do that, you have to like let them attack first. Right. Um, it's, it's totally side tangent. We're just going to take this right now and we're going to go on a little rabbit trail. We'll talk about the movie real fast. That, okay. that cool. So you have the, um, the shields represent the new way of fighting. Right. We mm-hmm. talked talk about this with Gurney and Paul. You like fast motions don't do it. It's more like slow motions can penetrate, penetrate yeah. the shield. So the whole way you fight is completely different. And so you have to know which hand holds the knife. So you're always trying to play a defensive game so you can kind of see the move and then attack. Right. Um, and in choreographing the fight scenes with Duncan Idaho slash Jason Momoa, they hired a choreographer, like a legit ballet choreographer, to make a new style of fighting just for this. What? Well, I'm excited. Okay, back to back back to our regular scheduled programming. We're just gonna we're just gonna forget what you just said. That was kind of crazy. So it's that same it's that same fighting thing. Like let's yeah. let's do something so other they like show their hand. <sighs> but yeah, it basically like Lido turned on Paul and Jessica is like, hey, wake up, pay pay attention because I need you guys to watch all these people. And I'm going to do that by being super weird at dinner. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not going to tell you. So, okay, this is where Jessica like goes through the espionage checklist. Like, all right, he's going to do this. He's going to do that. He's going to do this. And then the next thing she says is, um, like, by the way, he's going to, next thing he's going to do is shift the conversation into something seemingly innocent, but with ominous overtones. Mm -hmm. This is the pattern. So of course, the next thing he says um, so he takes a sip of wine, smiled at something and said to him by the woman on his right. He seemed to be listening for a moment to a man down at the other end of the table that was explaining the Duke that native Arakeen plants have no thorns. And he says, I enjoy watching the flights of birds on Arrakis, the banker said. Random, but okay. Seeming, yeah. Seemingly innocent. Yeah. Um, he directed the words at Jessica, which is much worse, by the way. <laughs> don't yeah, don't direct anything directly at her. She sees right through you. <laughs> all, of, all of our birds on Arrakis, of course, are carrion eaters, and many exist without water, having becoming blood drinkers. Gross. Um, so ominous overtones is that the birds are cannibals. Right. And in order to live on Arrakis, you must be a cannibal and eat each other. Um, and then the, then the still suits manufacturer's daughter, who is all over Paul, says something like, you, why would you say such a thing? She called him Susu. They must be close. 
gives him a pet name. Right. Because Susu is related to the Suk Suk of the water sellers. So it's like, right. oh, that's weird. And him just like telling that story was another like boast. Right? Like, oh, yeah. Like showing that he is above those lowly Fremen, you know? Well, yeah. And it sounds like it's like he's saying that he also controls the water. Yeah. Um, Paul marked the falseness of this of his dinner's companion, saw that his mother was following the conversation with Bene Gesserit intensity, aka Jedi mind tricks. On impulse, he decided to play the foil and draw the exchange out. He he addressed himself to the banker. Do you mean, sir, that these birds are cannibals? That's an odd question, young master. I would merely say the birds drink blood. It doesn't mean the blood of their own kind, does it? This is where Paul's like, all right, fools, I'm tired of this. Over it. Over it. Let's play. <laughs> like, you want to play mind games? I'll play mind games. <laughs> um, so, which leads us here. Then Paul says, it's not an odd question. And Jessica noted the brittle quality of her training exposed in his voice. Like, oh, he's doing the thing. Most educated people know that the worst potential competition for any young organism can come from its own kind. He deliberately forked a bite of food from his companion's plate and ate it. They're eating from the same bowl. They have the same basic requirements. <laughs> right? The banker likes like stiffened up the duke's like you better watch out for my son he's a he's a real deal like, right smiling, like smiling at him his quote was so good too do not make the error of considering my son a child <laughs> <Boom>. let's go <laughs> right, that's that's proud papa moment right there. right and this is where kind's kind of like comes to the scene and kind said it's the rule of ecology that's the young master appears to understand quite well. The struggle between life elements is the struggle for free energy in the system. Blood is a deficient energy source. And that's where the banker's like, ugh, you Fremen scum. Why would you... They, it's rumored that the Fremen drink the blood of their own dead. And Kind shakes, shakes his head. And he speaks in a lecturing tone. Like, this is what he does best. He loves teaching on science. Right. He just said, no, no. No, it's like a Bill Nye the Science Guy just came out at dinner and be like, "Actually, let me tell you how this works." <laughs> yeah, but like a poised Bill Nye, you know, not like when he's trying to refute flat Earth theory or something, you know, because <laughs> he gets real heated real quick. Like, like if Bill Nye were like a um, a British noble. Yeah, <laughs> just like let me tell you. Kind shook his head and spoke in a lecturing tone. Not the blood, sir, but all the man's water ultimately belongs to his people, to his tribe. It's a necessity when you live on the Great Flat. All water is precious there. And the human body is composed of some 70% water by weight. A dead man surely no longer acquires that water. Side note, uh, us humans here on Earth, uh, 80% water. So they have somehow evolved to only need 70, which is why they will probably look like raisins already yeah. weak. Um, so then of course the banker and kinds get into it because he says the bank the banker says you've associated so long with the fremen you've lost your sensibilities and kinds is like are you challenging me 
The banker froze. He swallowed, spoke stiffly. Of course not. I do not insult our host and hostess. Jessica heard the fear in the man's voice, saw it on his face and in his breathing, in the pulse of the vein at his temple. The man was terrified of kinds. Kinds is not to be messed with. Right. Um, and you can, and during this whole interaction, because things that, oh, gosh, this is the worst dinner party ever. Things right. escalate. <laughs> they only escalate. I'm amazed they got any eating actually done. Right. Because it's just like so tense all the time. Every word that somebody says means something else. And like, how do you enjoy any part of this? <laughs> well, uh, Lido was enjoying it. Jessica saw that Lido was enjoying this. Yeah. Most of the others were not. People all around the table sat poised for flight, hands out of sight, under the table. Two notable exceptions were the uh, water shipper, who openly smiled at the banker's discomfort, and the smuggler, Tuek, who appeared to be watching Kynes for a cue. Jessica saw that Paul was looking at Kynes as well in, ad in admiration. So Kynes... Uh, we know the smuggler is definitely on Kynes' side. And Paul loves Kynes because he sees that natural leadership. Right. Um, <laughs> this is where uh, they like say, I'm sorry, and I meant no offense. And, of course, Kynes is like freely given, freely accepted. Right. Um, Kynes is just like super <laughs> aloof and just like chilled out. This sure, whole man. Time fears nothing because he's like, I know who I am. I know what I can do. And Jessica noticed like that uh, Kynes would kill in an instant. Yeah. She said he's a casual killer. Well, yeah. No hesitation. We'll take somebody's water. Like probably to Kynes, this, this banker is a nobody. Mm -hmm. Like this is my planet. These are my rules. I decide who lives and dies, not the planet. Right. Like, <laughs> Which is, I think, why Paul likes him so much, and that's why I like him. Come on. Yep. Lido toyed with his fork, looking um, speculatively at Kynes. The, eco the ecologist's manner indicated that the change in attitude towards the house Atreides. Mm -hmm. Which, big shocker, it's a big arc change from uh, trying to kill them the chapter before, or being ordered to kill them. Yeah. Um, even in the thing that he said uh just before this you know um wait sorry i'm i'm slowing us down but i think it was cool what what kind said you're allowed after, to do this <laughs> after the banker was like i'd not so insult our host and hostess kinds goes our host and hostess are quite capable of deciding for themselves when they've been insulted they're brave people who understand the defense of honor um we all may attest to their courage by the fact that they're here now on Arrakis. You know, he's like basically saying like, I see what you guys are about and I'm changing my mind about you very, very seriously. Because no one comes to the desert on their own free will. Mm -hmm. And the desert makes you got to be pretty brave to go there. Right. Um, it's like entering the, uh, the bull ring. You may not come out alive. I made that last one up right now. That was pretty good. I, that was not written down. <laughs> good. Wow. Good news, Caleb. Good juice. Yeah. 
Um, let's see. What's next in the conversation is uh, Jessica looks at Kynes and says, the newcomer on Arrakis frequently underestimates the importance of water here. You're dealing, you see, with the law of minimums. She heard the testing quality in his voice and said, growth is limited by what, oh, growth is limited by that necessity which is present in the least amount and naturally the least favorable favorable condition controls the growth rate. That's where Kynes again takes interest. He really likes the Atreides at this point. It's yeah. rare to find members of great houses aware of planetary, planet, planetological problems, Kynes says. Water is the least favorable condition for life on Arrakis. And remember that growth itself can be can produce unfavorable conditions unless treated with extreme care. That's very true. If you grow uncontrollably, it's like a weed. Right. Everything dies. And this is where Jessica since senses a hidden message in Kind's words. But she knew she was missing it. Growth, she said. Do you mean Arrakis can have orally life cycle to sustain human life under favorable conditions? So we're going back to the original dream that he wants to make right. Arrakis this green place. There she's saving the plants and the conservatory for the people. What it could be. Um, the water shipper says impossible. Jessica turned her attention and she means, what do you mean impossible? Impossible on Arrakis. Don't listen to this dreamer. All the laboratory evidence is against him. Yeah, he's basically like, that would completely destroy his business. A hundred percent. He would not have a business. Right. He, he is in every, um, it's in every, his best interest to make sure that water does not arrive like that on Arrakis. Right. So of course he will actively fight against it. Yeah. At the expense of others, obviously, uh, which obviously, is like eerily, eerily similar to the way, our world has been working with a couple of different things, you know? Yeah. We know this is bad, but we're just going to keep doing it because we're making money, you know? Yeah. Wow. I think you're reading Frank Herbert in that. That's good. Yeah. He's going to keep saying that. Um, the laboratory evidence tends to blind us to a very simple fact. Kind said, the fact is this we're dealing here with the matters that originated and exist out of doors where plants and animals carry on a normal existence. Normal, the water shipper snorts. Nothing about Arrakis is normal. Quite the contrary, Kain said. Certain harmonies can be set up here along self-sustaining lines. You merely have to understand the limits of the planet and the pressures upon it. It'll never be done, right? It's the, everyone, it's too impossible. Right. The Duke, with the came to a sudden realization, placing the point where Kain's attitude had changed. It had been when Jessica had spoken of holding the conservatory plants in trust for Arrakis. And of course, Lito, okay, if it can happen, what's, what will it take to get set up? If we can get 3% of the green plant element on Arrakis involved in forming carbon compounds as foodstuffs, we've started the cycle system, Kind said. <clears throat> Water's the only problem, the Duke asked. He sensed Kind's excitement and felt himself caught up in it. Water overshadows the other problems. The planet has much oxygen, Without its usual containments, widespread plant life, and large sources of free carbon dioxide from such pheromena as volcanoes, there are, are unusual chemical interchanges over the large surface areas. 
right? Like, yes, it could work. The Duke. Yeah. Do I mean, project? there were a couple uh, complicated words in that paragraph that you float, but it's okay. We'll just move past it, Caleb. It's fine. Thank you. <laughs> Feel free to just tell me what, what word did I do wrong? Um, I don't even know. Con- you don't know. Concomin- concomin- concomitants. Con- At least I said it with confidence. Yeah, you did. You totally did. But I'm still going to call you out. It's like it's like when I was at, they used to teach you how to read the Bible out loud and all those names. You just say it with confidence, you'll be fine. Just keep going. Yeah. Just say it with confidence and keep going. Um, Kine said, we have a long time to build up the Tansley effect, small unit experiments on an amateur basis in which my science may now draw its working facts. Uh, the Tansley effect, side note, is actually a real effect in science. Oh, cool. So, yeah. But I didn't want to Google it in case I ran into more spoilers. <laughs> uh, no, because, well, in studying um, the dunes in Oregon to put all this together, uh, mm-hmm. Frank Herbert did some research and found that, yeah, you can shift. There's one little thing, a little shift, build up on top of each other, be fine. Of course, the water shipper thinks it isn't enough water. And Kind says, well, you think you're an expert on water. <laughs> like, if you think you're an expert, whatever you think is fine. I'm not going to argue with you. Right. Um, the Duke is not okay with this, and he actually wants an answer. Right. He gets pretty, pretty mad about it. <laughs> he uh, gestured sharply down with his right hand and barked, no, I want an answer. Is there enough water, Dr. Kynes? Kynes stares at his plate. I imagine him just like moving things around like, just go watch the play of emotion on his face. He masked himself well, she thought. But she had him registered now and read that he regretted his words. Is there enough water? The Duke demanded. There, there may be, Kynes said. He's faking uncertainty, Jessica thought. With his deeper truth sense, Paul caught the underlying motive, had to use every ounce of his training to mask his excitement. There is enough water, but Kynes doesn't wish to be known. Our planetologist has many interesting dreams, the water shipper says. His dreams with the Fremen of prophecies and messiahs. Odd chuckles surrounded at odd places at the table. Yeah, this is a really cool moment. Keep going. Jessica marked them. The smuggler, the still suit manufacturer's daughter, Duncan Idaho, the woman with the mysterious escort service. The tensions are oddly distributed here, Jessica thought. There's too much going on, which I'm not aware. I have to develop new information sources. So there is enough water. Yes. So Duke Lido's dream, Jessica's dream, it can happen. Right. This is like their semi way out. Like, the Fremen are good people. We can work with them. We can change the whole planet. We can change life here for the better of everyone to make it this utopia place where everyone can thrive and we can still have the spice and yada, yada, yada. It can all happen. Will they make it to see it happen? Bum, bum, bum. Oh, Caleb, why do you do these things to me? (laughs) Will they make it? That's a good, a good story. What are you talking about? 
All right. So then we're having this discussion. Somebody pops in, probably like a soldier, like boom, 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 boom going down to the Duke. He whispers in the, the Duke's ear. Abruptly, the Duke stood up beside the trooper, spoke in a harsh tone of command. Stay seated, everyone. You have to forgive me as a matter has arisen that requires my personal attention. He steps aside. Paul, take over as host for me as you please. So Paul, who is having a great time at this party, everyone else is super tense. <laughs> he didn't even want to go to this party. But he's like having so much fun, just like reading everyone. And just like, oh, oh. <laughs> and he has all these questions about all this stuff and like kind of just answering them. And he yeah. loves it. So Paul stood up. Wanting to ask why his father had to leave, knowing he had to play in this grand manner, he moved around to his father's chair dun, 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 and sat down. Um, so then he goes, Gurney, take take Paul's spot so it's not awkward. Gurney picks up, goes there. And this is where uh, the Duke gives some mic, says here, there's no need for alarm, I just may ask. But I may ask that no one leave until our house guard says it's safe. You will be perfectly secure as long as you remain here. And we'll have this little trouble cleared up very shortly. Paul caught the code words in his father's message. Guard, safe, secure, shortly. The problem wasn't secure, was security, not violence. He saw that his mother had read the same message. They both relaxed. Right. That was, I stopped reading and thought about that for a moment because that was like, really cool to read because if you like i don't know if you look at the way the duke said what he said he could have very easily put the emphasis on those words in a way that paul and jessica would know that they're the important words of what he's trying to say you know Uh, but i must ask that no one leave until our house guard says it's safe until our house guard says it's safe You'll be perfectly secure as long as you remain here and we'll have this little trouble cleared up very shortly. You know, like sneaky. I'm like, how can I use that in my everyday life? You know, to tell my wife, I want to leave a party or something. (laughs) This party sucks. (laughs) I read the code word. This party is really bad, (laughs) but I'll leave that up to you. (laughs) There we go. Just in case you didn't get it. Okay, you have plenty of time to build up that. You had 15 years. Jessica and the Duke had 15 years to build up that rapport. They got it. Um, and then Paul says, please go under the water. I believe Dr. Kind was discussing water. Like, please keep going. Kinds, maybe discuss it another time, Paul, by all means. Uh, um. So then the banker picks up his, his water glass, gestured it to the water shipper. None of us here can surpass Master Lungar Buitz in the flowery phrases. One might almost assume he aspired to great house status. Come, Master Buitz, lead us in a toast. Perhaps you've a dollop of wisdom for the boy who must be treated like a man. Gosh, I hate this guy. He just... What the All... heck, dude? You aspire to be one of the great houses. Come be with us in our noble society and give wisdom to this little boy. Hmm. Like Paul could kill you. Everyone could kill you in this room. What are you doing? 
Paul will murder you so fast, dude. So fast. <laughs> and this is where the, they have hand signals. They have the, the um, like Atreides war signals. They with hand hand movements. So you see a hand signal pass between Halleck to Idaho. Saw the house troopers along the wall move into positions of maximum guard. Okay. Do you think these are like? Okay. Do you think? Oh, uh, do you think these are like baseball hand signals where like Gurney is just like sitting there and he's like. <laughs> moving your hand over your ear like grabbing your wiggle your nose grabbing your hat or was it like sneaky like he just like brushes like, his eyebrow or something you know he like uh touches his nose or it's yeah, probably like, like his mouth or something like that probably like flexing the hands in a weird way that like in emotion kind of like baseball hand signals pretty much exactly like that okay um the water shipper catches casts a venomous glare at the banker right that's that car that's that cannibal status they're just those two are just trying to eat each other and will eat anybody to get to the top right like both of them in paul's mind are probably worthless because you're either helping us or you're broke we'll get you go we'll kill you it's fine you're not really needed and since um, let's be the water we just learned the water shippers whole like business isn't going anywhere they have enough water Right. He just he can, he can just let go. <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. So that's what's gonna happen um, eventually with like oil, right? When like all the solar stuff is like making more energy than oil, it's like we don't even need you anymore. But yet they're gonna continue to try to insert themselves. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, hopefully, and we can only hope. <sighs> okay. All right. So Paul then Paul goes off right now, which is so cool. Paul then tells a story because that's what hosts are supposed to do. Right. right. He said, once on Caledon, I saw a, draw a body of a drowned fisherman recovered. He drowned, the still suit manufacturer's daughter said. Paul hesitated. Yes. Immersed in water until dead. Drowned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what an interesting way to die, she murmured. She probably has not seen that much water ever to kill somebody. Right. So, what an interesting way to drown, to die. Yeah. Paul's smile became brittle. He returned his attention to the banker. The interesting thing about, me, about this man was the wounds on his shoulder, made by a fisherman's claw boots. This fisherman was one of several in the boat, a craft for traveling on water that floundered, sank beneath the water. Another fisherman helping recover the body said he'd seen marks like this man's wounds several times. They meant another drowned fisherman had tried to stand on this poor fellow's shoulder and attempt to reach the surface to reach air. Why is that interesting? The banker asks. Because of an observation made by my father at the time, he said the drowning man who climbs on your shoulders to save himself is understandable, except when you see it happen in the drawing room. Paul hesitated just long enough for the banker to see the point coming. And then, and I should add, except when you see it at the dinner table. Oh, let's go. <laughs> Paul straight up called him out. No fear. <laughs> I see what you're doing. You are all idiots. I will destroy you. <laughs> and this is where you get the smuggler. From the back of the table. 
<laughs> head thrown back with laughter, completely abandoned. Right. Okay, that was the moment where I thought Jason Momoa would kill it in that moment, just like as the smuggler laughing like <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. Okay, nervous smiles appeared around the table. The banker pushed his chair back, was glaring at Paul. Kinds. One base in Atreides at his own risk. Right. So now he has Kinds is now like master respect for the Atreides. Like, this is what you happen when you mess with those people. Is the Atreides custom to insult their guests? The banker demanded. Before Paul could answer, Jessica leaned forward and said, Sir. And then thought, We must learn this Harkonnen's creature's game. Is he here to try for Paul? Does he have help? My son displays a general garment, and you claim it's cut to your fit, Jessica asked. What a fascinating revelation. She slid a hand down her leg to the Chris knife she'd fastened in a calf sheath. You want to die, bro? Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> the banker turned with glare on Jessica, eyes shifted away from Paul, and she saw him ease back from the table, freeing himself from action. He had focused on the code word garment, which means prepare for violence. Prepare for violence. Kynes directed a speculative look at Jessica, gave a subtle hand signal to Tuik the smuggler. The smuggler lurched to his feet, lifted up his glass. I give you a toast to the young Paul Atreides. Still a lad by his looks, but a man by his actions. And Jessica's like, wait, I was going <laughs> to kill this fool. Why did you stop? <laughs> the banker stared now at Kynes. And Jessica saw terror return to the agent's face. People began responding all around the table. Where Kynes leads, people follow, Jessica thoughts. He has told us he sides with Paul. What's the secret of his power? It can't be because he's judge of the change. That's temporary. And he's certainly not because he's a civil servant. <laughs> she removed her hand from the Chris knife hilt and lifted her glass to kinds who responded in, in kind. Yes. Yes, yes. And this is where Paul's super confused. He was like, wait, what? <laughs> His thought was like, I was handling it perfectly. Why do they interfere? <laughs> I had it in the bag, guys. I was going to demolish this guy, and you just stopped me. He's like, prepare for violence. Come on, I want to kill. I want to do something. I was prepared. For violence. <laughs> um, and then Halleck kind of speaks up. It says, in our society, people shouldn't be quick to take offense. It's frequently suicidal. He looked at the still suit manufacturer's daughter beside him. Don't you think so, miss? Oh, yes. Yes, indeed, I do, she said. There's too much violence. It makes me sick. And lots of times, no offense is meant, but people die anyway. It doesn't make sense. And this is where Jessica catches it. This girl isn't as dumb as she looks. Mm -hmm. She was the bait. Yeah. It was to lure Paul and take him. But, of course, Paul doesn't care about that at all. He's having more fun talking about water with the scientist. Right. Because <laughs> he finally thinks it's somebody at his level. So, yeah, it just proves Paul is no ordinary boy. <laughs> Right. Oh. Uh, yeah, he's definitely. Let's see. 
Um, and it's funny because the the still food manufacturer's daughter kind of continues to lead the conversation away. Like that's her kind of her job at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but because she says we don't want any more violence, I hope there's no more fighting. Like, please, let's all stop the fighting. Which is dumb on her, I guess. Uh, she was directed to lead the conversation away, Jessica thought. Likely this will prove unimportant, Jessica said. There's so much detailing requiring the Duke's personal attention in these times, because they want to know why the Duke is gone from the dinner. As long as enmity and enemy and not an enemy. No, that's not it. Enmity? 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 Gosh, I feel so dumb when neither of us know the word, Caleb. And it's only like one, two, it's only six letters long. I know the word. I just don't fully know how to pronounce it because sometimes I still have ESL problems. Well, and and this this is a plug for reading in general. Reading helps your vocabulary. <laughs> Especially reading Frankfurt. Especially reading Dune. Um, yeah, it's great for you. Even if you don't know the words, keep going. Um as long as the tension continues between the Atreides and the Harkonnen, we cannot be too careful. The Duke has sworn canly. He will leave no Harkonnen agent alive on Arrakis, of course. She glances at the Guildbank agent. And the conventions naturally support him in this. She shifted her attention to Kynes. Is this not so, Dr. Kynes? Indeed it is, Kynes said. We're taking you out. Well, yeah. And at that point, um, the seal suit manufacturer's daughter, the girl trying to seduce Paul, hadn't eaten anything up to this point. Wait, she was said, that her that hadn't eaten anything? Yeah, it's the same girl hadn't eaten anything. I thought it was his companion, like his... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The still suit manufacturer pulled his companion gently back. She looked at him and said, I do believe I'll eat something now. Like, yeah, the people who haven't eaten yet have still suit manufacturer's companion. Yeah. Okay, I'd like to eat now. Now that this is happening, I'd like to have some meal. <laughs> so Jessica, of course, signals a servant. They come bring some stuff. Um, <laughs> she turns to the banker and said, and you, sir, were speaking of birds earlier in their habitats. I find so many interesting things about Arrakis. Tell me, where is the spice found? Do hunters go deep into the desert? Of course, we want to talk about spice. Um, and this is where we talk about the spice itself and how they say that the mother load of spice is found out in the Southern reaches, but they can't get there. Many daring spice hunters go, but they don't come back. Storms are frequent. Um, casual, the casualties increase the farther you get out from the shield wall. So it hasn't been very profitable to go South because you lose so much. So maybe if you had a weather satellite, but no one can afford that. Right. Uh, it's best that you just stay near the shield wall and collect your spice. Um, which, by the way, is enough spice. Right. But they're like talking about some kind of Arakeen El Dorado where like if you go far enough south, you'll just hit this like massive pocket of spice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very much that same that same feeling. Um, and it's where the water shipper looks up and said, it's said that Fremen travel out there and they go everywhere. 
right? Like, what's going on? They hunted out soaks and soup wells in the southern latitudes. Soaks and soup wells? Sip wells, Jessica asked. Kinds spoke quickly. Wild rumors, my lady. When everyone speaks really quickly, they're probably lying. Wild rumors, my lady. <laughs> they're known on another planet, it's not at Arrakis. A soak is a place where water seeps to the surface or near enough to the surface to be found by digging at certain signs. A sip well is a form of soak where a person draws water through a straw. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. Everyone, Jessica, well, every, Paul and Jessica go, he's lying. Right. No, the, I, when I read that, I laughed because uh, it says, there's deception in his words, Jessica thought. Why is he lying, Paul wondered. <laughs> like, Paul, Paul skipped a step, you know? Jessica was like, hmm, he is being a deceptive, deceiving deceptor. And Paul's like, bro, why you, why, why you lying? Like, you just go straight to, this dude is straight up lying. What a jerk. Oh, man. I'm crying. That's funny. It's true. That's what Paul says. That's so Paul. <laughs> Um, Paul says, I've heard you have a saying that polish come from the cities and wisdom from the desert. I think Yui said that once to him earlier mm-hmm. on. He says, there are many sayings on Arrakis, Kind said. Because Kind's making an argument that nobody's beyond the like North region, North Pole regions. No one's in the Southern latitudes. There are, and there's nothing down there. Don't go looking. Right. And Paul was like, wait, but they say wisdom comes from the desert. So there's got to be some people out there. Right. Um, so, yeah. Let's see. Before Jessica could frame a new question, a servant bent over her with a note. She opened up and saw the Duke's handwriting with the code signs. And it said, this is what she announced. You all be delighted to know, she said, that our Duke sends his reassurances. The master which called away had been settled. So the matter had been called away and settled. The missing carryall has been found. Hey, look at that. Yay. Hey, our Conan agent in the crew overpowered the others and flew the machine to a smuggler's base, hoping to sell it there. Both man and machine were turned over to our forces. She nodded it to Tuick. The smuggler nodded back. Mm. Jessica refolded the note and tucked it into her sleeve. I'm glad it didn't come to battle, the banker said. The people have such hopes the Atreides will bring peace and prosperity. Especially prosperity, the water shipper added. Uh, these two. Well, both these guys just straight up suck. They suck so much they won't be coming back at all anymore. This is the only chapter with them in there, but it just oh, is that. God. <laughs> just is that pretense of like what the, the political culture around money and water is yeah. and how. What what the Atreides would enter into being the noble born, having to deal with these people. What? Makes you want to be a Fremen at this point. I'm like, okay, do I deal with the desert people or do I deal deal with these people? Dude, desert people all day. All day. I've never even thought once about these these cake eaters. Um, this is where um one of them keeps asking about can I get the can I get the recipe to whatever we're eating? Right. Right. Wait, which one was it? Uh, Is the still suit manufacturer like everything that he's like, oh, can I get the recipe? (laughs) He's like trying to fake fake his way to the top, you know, like if I eat the same food as all the very nice people. Well, also none of this food has spice in it, so it all has to be flown in. So it's got to be super expensive. So it's already flashy. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. 
Um, but Jessica stares down at her plate thinking about the other part of the coded message that Leto had sent. So there's more. Bum, bum, bum. The Harkonnens tried to get a shipment of Lay's guns. We captured them. This may mean they succeeded with other shipments. It certainly means they don't place much store in shields. Take appropriate precautions. So we know that the Harkonnens use shields all the time. Kind said they use them in the desert, and that's stupid. Because you can put a shield in the desert, you get a giant worm. Yeah, there's no escaping. So and they used them, which means um, they use people like cattle. You constantly pip, put new people in, and they're going to use laser guns against the shields. Well, what do laser guns do against shields? Jessica focused her mind on laser guns. I'm just going to read it because Jessica says it best. Right. Wondering. The white-hot beams of disruptive light would cut through any known substance, providing the substance was not shielded. The fact that the feedback from the shield would explode, both laser gun and shield don't bother the Harkonnens. Why? A laser gun shield explosion is a dangerous variable. One could, they could be more powerful than atomics, could kill only, only the gunner and a shielded target. So basically, you get an atomic explosion. Right. And... On the side of the laser gun, it would only shoot, it would only harm the one person shooting. Right. But it would basically nuke whatever they were shooting at. Yes. So since the Harkonnens are, see, like their servants or their soldiers as so disposable, it's like, oh, we get like 50 laser guns, we lose like 50 guys and kill everyone everywhere, you know? Um, that's exactly how they're thinking about it. Right. And it's a suicide mission for anybody who goes for it. Right. Colin Kazi. Um, the unknowns here filled her with, filled her with uneasy, uneasiness. Mm-hmm. Paul said, I'll never doubt we'll find the carryall. I never doubted we'll find the carryall. Once my father moves to solve a problem, he solves it. As the fact the Harkonians are beginning to discover. He's boasting. Jessica thought. You shouldn't boast. No person who will be sleeping far below ground this level this night as a precaution against laser guns has the right to boast. <laughs> and thus ends night two, Arrakis. Night two. This, okay. Everything we've read has been like, what, four days, three yeah. days? Yeah. It's happening rather quickly. Jeez. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine the, like the tension wound up in these people. Right. It, they're on all the time. We don't know when the last time anybody has slept. Right. They've <laughs> <laughs> like, just always on, always going. Um, that's got to be. That's just a lot on a person. Right. And especially at this like level where everyone is trying to kill them. And everybody knows they're trying to kill them. Ah, no bueno. No bueno at all. No bueno at all. Um, anything else you caught from this chapter? As this ends chapter, the dinner scene, the infamous dinner scene in the Dune trilogy. This is or, is it infamous? But yeah, it's the only one of its kind. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it, the thing that struck me the most at first was the tension. Every little thing is some 
sneaky jab or coded message or something like every, that's exhausting. Like that would be exhausting. I personally would not be able to follow it. I'd be like, what a fun, what a fun dinner. I'm having a great time. And they're all like reading subtle cues and like listening for code words and stuff. And they're all no. like faking it the whole time. Right. Yeah. That's, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. And of course, without, it's just fun to see Paul work his like B'nai Jesuit like training and yeah. see Jessica pick up on it. Like, oh, he's doing the thing. Oh, nice. That was that. Okay. That was definitely my favorite part of the chapter was all the like hidden tactics of the Atreides, you know, with Leto kind of like making a scene so that people's tells would be more obvious. And Paul and Jessica start picking up and like by the end of the dinner, they have everybody registered. Yeah. They know exactly what's going on. And you know, the coded let's leave this party thing that we talked about and just all of that. I'm like, that's, that's amazing. I, uh, I want to, I need some of that in my life. I feel like a secret agent, you know? Yeah. Definitely had a spy theme going on for this one. Yeah. Hey, uh, did we, did we want to shout out? There was somebody we wanted to give a shout out to, wasn't there? Yeah. So you can go to Twitter at reading Dune and just at us because we like seeing it. We've got a couple today, actually, that just people say, hey, guys, I'm reading Dune. And you know what? We're really thankful for you. Thank you for reading Dune with us. Yeah. Um, so shout out to uh, Mr. Tommy on Mr. Twitter. Tommy. He also commented um, on YouTube. It says He says, uh, I like how Evan's a first-time reader. It makes the seemingly daunting story of Dune really approachable. I just love how Evan's... Simple, small mind wraps itself around the story. <laughs> well, I appreciate your appreciation, Mr. Tommy. When, and, you, and the fun thing is Evan has no idea where it's going. No, I don't. And it's funny because we have like the quotes at the beginning of each chapter, which are like historical quotes looking back that we can kind of guess what's happened. Right. But uh, you don't know how it all unfolds. Right. I mean, I have seen Zendaya in the trailer, so I know something is afoot. Johnny is coming. Yeah. She, she is the foot. Yeah. We've met all the characters except for her at this point. Yeah. Um, we saw her in dreams, but that's right. about it. Um, we've also got a few emails just saying hi. We appreciate it. Um, you can email us. You can email us at readingdune at gmail.com. Yeah, and when we say we appreciate it, we genuinely appreciate it. Caleb sends me screenshots of like every comment that we get, and it's it's just, it's actually really fun seeing that you guys are actually out there listening. We're not just being insincere podcast hosts. We genuinely like just it's a blast seeing comments and emails coming in. And we actually got some comments on our live stream today because we are live streaming on YouTube. Um, Anna says, I love that you guys love the trailer so much. Oh, oh I can't explain. I literally, I think we could do a whole episode just geeking out over the trailer. But yes, Anna, I, we, I was freaking out about that. <laughs> and uh, BB Catcher RN on YouTube says uh, she's a BAMF talking about Jessica because she yeah. is. She is a BAMF. Yeah. 
And um, also, System of the Fox. The trailer is was so good. It is it's great. I watch it like once a day. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> oh, and, and if you want to see that reaction, that's I'm gonna post it on YouTube. I just filmed Evan watching. I'm just gonna put. Wait, did you really? Yeah. I just missed that. I missed. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see it? Like I my phone was up, like recording. It's gonna be a janky recording, but it's 2020. We we use what we have. I can't wait to see my reaction. That's amazing. Like this, your eyes were just like wide open like oh my goodness <laughs> every once in a while i went dude <laughs> um, all right i'm gonna go watch the trailer right now and uh thank you for reading dune with us and remember always stay spicy yeah